Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Grace Community Church Wednesday night service. Uh, my name is Wade. If this is your first time watching, uh, we're glad you're tuning in, and thank you all for being here in person. It's good to see you all. Uh, missed seeing you Sunday, but I can see you now, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, let me go ahead and pray for us, and we will get into tonight's message. Father, thank you for another opportunity to get up here and share what you've laid on my heart. I'm thankful, Lord, for the message that you gave me. And Lord, I just pray that you would uh, just help me to be able to communicate it in a way that people understand it. And Father, I just pray for everybody here and everybody that's watching online that you would open our hearts and minds, Lord, to, to receive what it is you're saying to us. And Lord, I pray that you help us to remember these things and actually apply them to our lives, Lord, so that we can bear the fruit that you want us to bear. And we'll give you the glory for that. And it's in Jesus Christ's holy name that I do pray. Amen. Uh, we're pretty much going to pick up where we left off last week. And uh, last week we were talking about being deceived. And uh, one of the things that we closed with last week was the idea that most people have, you know, when they're new in their faith or they just... Uh, just came to Christ that there's something wrong with me and uh, I told you last week that there's nothing wrong with you you know we're all on the same playing field but there may be a lot of wrong things in you I know when I came to Christ you know that was my mindset I was like what is wrong with me you know because looking back at my past that's all I could see was mistake after mistake after mistake and the truth is there's nothing wrong with us but there are a lot of wrong things in us that God wants to remove from us so that we can be the people that he created us to be. And, uh, you know, a lot of what we talked about last week, you know, I said there's a lot of wrong things in us was false beliefs. You know, that's things that we've been taught or things that we might have just taught ourselves over the years. That's not the truth. And, uh, you know, if we believe a false belief for so long, then like we talked about last week, in our minds, we think of that as truth. But uh, one of the verses that we shared last week was James chapter 4 and verse 8. And that's where the, the Bible saying, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And, uh, you know, last week we said, why would you cleanse your hands if you don't even know they're dirty? Or, you know, why would you even try to purify your mind if you don't know you're double-minded? And that's simple. You wouldn't. You know, you don't know you're double-minded unless you know the truth. Or you don't know your hands are dirty unless you know the truth. So uh, you just wouldn't do it. And that's the whole meaning of being deceived like we talked about last week. And... Uh, that's why for the last couple of weeks I've been giving you homework, and I, I hope you've been doing that. I've, I've been doing it myself, uh, and our homework was to prayerfully read Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. That's a good way to find out the truth about me, about my heart, about you know my beliefs, whether they're right or not. And it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And, uh, you know, pretty much that's just ask God to show you the truth and to reveal to you what in your heart is true or what in your heart is false. 
you know, what in your heart is right and what is wrong. Because, you know, we talked along quite a bit last week about being conformed to the world. And before coming to Christ, we're all conformed to the world. You know, our whole life up until then, we've been learning things. And once we come to Christ, we have to relearn things and find out what the real truth is. And uh, like I've been saying, there's so many people that condemn themselves because they can't live up to a standard of what they believe is the truth or what somebody else has told them is the truth. And uh, a lot of times that's not God's standard at all, and it's not the truth at all. Uh, the truth is that Jesus never told anybody to get it all together and come to me. He just said, come to me, follow me, come as you are and just believe in me. And I think that false teachings and false beliefs have people all over the world believing in a God that came to judge them and condemn them. And uh, that's just not true. But that's why a lot of people uh, avoid God. <clears throat> the truth is that we have a Savior that was sent by God to save us and not to condemn us. He came to rescue us and not catch us doing something wrong and blame us for doing it. You know, that's the way a lot of people think of God. They think he's sitting somewhere watching every move you make, just waiting on you to mess up so he can catch you while you're doing it. And that's not the case. Jesus knows who we are, and uh, he knows why we are the way we are. And that's why every week at the end of the service, I try to share Romans 5, 8. That's the best example in the Bible I can think of, of God knows everything about us, and he loves us anyway. It said, but God commends his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, that's why Jesus came to save us from sin, not to accuse us of it. You know, everybody is born with a sin nature. Uh, and Jesus knows that. He knows all of us are born sinners ever since Satan deceived Eve. And he came to destroy that curse over us. He came to set us free. Uh, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, Verses 7 and 8, that he came to destroy the works of the devil. And uh, verse 7, it says, Little children, let no man deceive you. There's that word deceive again. He that does righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that commits sin is of the devil, for the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So Jesus never came to condemn anybody. He came to set us free and rescue us and destroy the works of the devil. So it's all about deception. And uh, that's what John is telling the people, the believers there. He's writing that to believers. He's not writing that to lost people. So he's telling the believers there, you know, don't let the world tell you something is right when it's wrong. And that's we see a lot of that today. And don't let them tell you something is wrong when it's right. We also see a lot of that today, too. You know, Jesus came to tell us the truth. And the truth is, we're all born sinners. And the truth is, we all need a Savior. And uh, we don't have to die in our sins. That is the gospel in a nutshell. Jesus came to save us, and we don't have to die in our sins. That is the truth. But it's our choice. Uh, John goes on to say in 1 John chapter 5, in verse 12, and we'll come back to this later. But he says, He that has the Son has life, and he that has not the Son has not life. And it really is that simple. You know, at the end of the day, at the end of this life, 
or if Jesus returns first, you either have Jesus or you don't. You know, I was at a funeral yesterday, and uh, the main thing that you hear at funerals is, I wonder if they were saved. I wonder if they were saved. And, uh, you know, all this other stuff seems really important while we're here, while we're going through things and uh, while we're doing life. But at the end of this life, the only thing that really matters is do you have life, Jesus, or you don't have life. You don't have Jesus. Uh, you're either saved or you're not. Now, I want to ask you a question. Without the Bible, without any scripture or anything like that, it's just a simple question, or it seems like a simple question. You know, ask yourself this question. You know, what makes more sense to you that the devil wants us to be condemned or God wants us to be condemned? You know, if I were to ask you one by one what you thought about that, you know, I wonder how many of you would say that the devil wants to condemn us or God wants to condemn us. It seems like a, a no-brainer question, don't it? But it's really not. Uh, and I'll explain that to you. We have, as a church, we've got to start seeing things from the eyes of the people that don't have Jesus yet. You know, if we're ever going to reach them, we have to see what they see. <coughs> we have to understand where they're coming from. You know, that's a simple question. Uh, I'll read you the question again. What makes more sense? The devil wants us to be condemned or God wants us to be condemned? You know, the church answer is easy. You know, the devil wants to condemn us. But if the people in the world that don't know Jesus, if they're being accepted by the world and rejected by the church, who do you think they believe is going to condemn them? You know, God or Satan? The question ain't that simple anymore, is it? You know, even churchgoers have been deceived into believing that everybody knows Jesus is on their side. But everybody don't know that, especially by the way that the church worldwide treats them. You know, if the world is accepting homosexuality or sex outside of marriage and encouraging people just to be themselves, you know, we love you just the way you are, and they do. You know, that's everywhere. And the church is telling them, you're going to hell because of your lifestyle, then who do you think <coughs> who do you think they're going to believe loves them? The world or the church? You know, we have to see things the way that they're seeing. They're deceived. They actually think God is against them. And uh, we're deceived too if we can't see that. We have to understand where people are coming from. So that question is not simple. The gospel is not shining the light on someone's sin. And it's not pointing a finger at them and telling them they need Jesus. The gospel should be letting them know that God loves them unconditionally. You know, as long as we treat people like outcasts and rejects and point out their sin, that drives them away from God. You know, the gospel isn't, <coughs> isn't you are a sinner. The gospel, gospel should be we are all sinners and we all need a Savior. Uh, Romans 3.23, we covered that verse last week too. And that's exactly what it says. It says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we can't single people out and put them over here in a spotlight on them and say, here you are. Uh, you know, sin is not an individual thing. It's a human condition. 
that we're all born with. We're all born with a sin nature. And uh, we all do have our own individual sins. Uh, we don't all have the same sins, but we all have a sin nature. And uh, Paul said that God gave us the ministry of reconciliation, bringing people back to God through Jesus Christ, not pointing out their sin. And that's exactly what it says. I'll, I mean, I've shared these with you before, but I want to share them with you again. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21, and it says, All of this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. And here's what I'm talking about. No longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. You know, I love verse 19. It said that in Christ, God was no longer holding people's sins against them. And uh, that last word for read, 21, it says Jesus paid for our sins. So God's not holding anybody's sin against them. He came to save us. And nobody can pay for their own sin. It said Christ paid for that for us. So, you know, why do we think it's okay for us to hold people's sins against them? Or why do we think they should have to pay for their sin? You know, we didn't pay for our sin. I like, uh, you know, it amazes me how we can judge people for doing things that we used to do ourselves before we came to Christ. You know, I deal with people all the time that have the same problems that I used to have. But, you know, what kind of Christian would I be to put them down and hold them down and point my finger at them for living in sin and doing the same things that I used to do? Nobody can can forgive themselves and clean themselves. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 9 is clear about that. <clears throat> Did I not put that one on there, Travis? Sorry about that. But Proverbs 20 and verse 9, it says, Who can say I've cleansed my heart? I am pure and free from sin. You know, nobody can say that. It's only through Christ that anybody has been forgiven. It's only through Christ that anybody is made right with God. Nobody did that on their own. And uh, God don't hold anybody's sin against them. So we don't have the right to do that either. Only Christ can do that. And uh, that's why people are deceived into thinking God is against them. And I really do think the church as a whole, I'm not just talking about grace, I'm talking about the way the church acts as a whole all over the world is responsible for a lot of that. Because many people who call themselves Christians, they're not sharing the gospel that God loves you. All they're doing is pointing out sin and judging sin and exposing sin. And uh, they love doing that. They love exposing. Look what they're doing. And that's not what Christ came to do. That's not the gospel. So people on both sides are deceived. you got people out here with people pointing at them, exposing their sin, that think that God is against them. And you got people on this side that are holding sin against them and think they're righteous. So on both sides, they're deceived. So which one is right? 
<laughs> you know, who's right? What is the truth? And the answer to that is Jesus. He is the truth. Uh, John 14 and verse 6. <clears throat> that's what Jesus says. It says, And Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the light. And no man comes unto the Father but by me. You know, we just need to get people to Jesus. We can't change people. Only he can do that. And we can't save anybody. Only he can do that. And our only responsibility is to get people to Jesus. You know, we try so hard to teach people things that the only, only the Holy Spirit can teach them. And we sh I'm not saying we shouldn't be teaching people. We should be teaching people. I'm not saying we shouldn't grow in God's Word together, but that's not how we get them to Jesus. Uh, we should invite them to Jesus before we try to teach them anything. And that's why I'm always begging you every week to get into God's Word. You know, are you praying morning and night? Are you doing a devotion in the morning and starting your day with God? Are you reading God's Word and getting it inside of you so you can share it with other people? Uh, John 14 and verse 26 it says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. If we could just get people to Jesus and get them to read their Bible, that verse right there is very clear. The Holy Spirit will explain it to them. The Holy Spirit will bring them understanding of God's Word and uh, show them what truth is. You know, all we have to do is get them to Jesus. We don't have to point out everything wrong in their life. If we can just convince them to read the Bible, to read God's Word, like I said, the Holy Spirit will explain it to them. Uh, you know, I can give you good advice all day long, and that's good. We should do that for one another. But the Holy Spirit does something I can't do. He will teach you about you. I can't do that, and you can't do that for me. I don't know what's in your heart. And I don't know what's in your mind, you know, but he does. The Holy Spirit knows what's in your heart, and he knows what's in your mind. And he can bring up your deeper, deepest, darkest, innermost thoughts, and he can talk to you about them without offending you at all. You know, if I start digging in your business and trying to pry into it, uh, you know, most times I'm going to do more damage than good because people don't like it when you start digging into them like that. But the Holy Spirit, if you'll let him in, he can deal with those things in your heart and in your mind and without offending you at all. And he'll let you know he's there because he loves you and he wants to help you with those things. And like I said, I can't do that and neither can you. But I can tell you about Jesus and I can tell you what he's done for me and I can lead you into a relationship with him. Uh, so deception is real. You know, it's on both sides of the both sides, the lost people and the church people. Uh, most of the messages that God gives me are not for lost people. They're for me. They're for us. They're for the people in the church. And they're to keep me and you from being deceived. You know, we get comfortable uh, in our faith, and we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't get comfortable in our faith. Uh, I don't know how many of y'all were here last week, but... If you were here last week, you remember the buzzard we talked about? You know, he was born beside the road, and in the beginning, he knew very well the danger of the cars. 
But slowly, over time, he got more and more used to those cars, and every day they seemed like less of a threat to him. And uh, they were just a normal part of his life that he'd grown accustomed to. <clears throat> so they were just part of his life. And he got so comfortable around them, he didn't see them as a threat at all. And he got ran over. He got deceived. And uh, if you're not in God's Word every day, letting the Holy Spirit remind you of what is truth and what's not truth, then uh, you'll get deceived too. And so will I. Uh, you'll go right back to being conformed to this world, and then you will get ran over in a spiritual sense. So we can't get comfortable in our faith, but we can get stronger in our faith. And when we do that, when we get stronger in our faith, we realize we're strong in our faith when we realize how much we have to depend on God. You know, I can't depend on me to know what's right and what's wrong. Uh, Jesus said in John 15 and verse 5, that without him we can do nothing. He said, I am the vine, and you are the branches, and he that abides in me, and I in him. The same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So that's how we grow stronger in our faith. We rely on God more and less on our own understanding. We have to abide in him, and we have to stay connected to the vine. You know, like I said a minute ago, I don't know your deepest thoughts. But the Holy Spirit does. You know, you could be making a horrible wrong turn in your mind while I'm talking to you. And I don't know that, but you do. Uh, I wouldn't know anything about it unless you told me. And the only way I'm going to know that you've taken a wrong turn in your thinking or your mind is when it becomes an action. And uh, then there's nothing I can do about it. But the Holy Spirit can show you things before they become an action. If you're in God's Word every day like you should be, then He'll He'll speak to you. He'll be like, no, that's not right. And uh, you can listen to Him, and He'll guide you. Uh, like I said, you could be standing right in front of me making all kinds of bad decisions in your mind, and I wouldn't know it. But if you're in God's Word every day, He'll show you how to deal with things before they become actions. Uh, one of the verses I love is 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. He'll help you do this. It says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. When you start having bad thoughts and you've got the Holy Spirit in your heart, then he'll let you know that's not right. That's not what you should be doing. And he'll help you bring that thought to Christ instead of turning it into a, a bad action with bad consequences. Uh, you know, like I've been saying, I don't know what's in your heart, and I don't know what's in your mind, but God does. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, it says, For the Word of God, that's why we should be reading our Bibles every day. It says, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So he does know the intents of your heart. And he will show you if you start to head in the wrong direction. But if you're never in God's Word, if you're never talking to God in prayer, if you never spend any time with Him, eventually you will go back to trusting your own judgment. And I will too. 
and making choices without bringing, bringing them to God. And uh, when we start doing that, that's when we start making bad choices. We start leaning on our own understanding again. Uh, and most of us, we don't set out to do that. We don't set out to sin. Most of us, we have good intentions. We think we're doing the right thing. But we're going the wrong way, and we've just got out of, got out of relationship with God. Uh, Proverbs 14 and verse 12. It says, There is a way which seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So like I said, a lot of times we think we're doing right, and we think we're going the right way, and we didn't intentionally go the wrong direction. But any direction that's leading away from God, uh, that leads to death. So we can't lean on our own judgment. We deceive ourselves. We can't trust our own judgment. Uh, I love this verse in Jeremiah, chapter 17 and verse 9. It says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So like I said, a lot of us will be going in a direction that looks good to us. We think we're doing something good. But if it's not leading us to God and it's not the way God wants us to go, it leads to death and destruction. Uh, for me personally, I have a lot of things going on in my mind, and I know you do too. So for me, uh, it works out a whole lot better for me to just be obedient and not do what I think is right. You know, it's a whole lot easier for me if God's Word, God's word says this, this, to just be obedient and do that than it is for me to, to decide what's right and what's wrong. I can be obedient a whole lot easier than I can make decisions for myself. And I learned that the hard way, and I think all of us do. So, you know, but how am I going to know what to obey if I'm not in God's Word? Uh, we've got to be in God's Word. We've got to be reading His Word and letting it get inside of us. So we can't trust our own understanding. Uh, you know, I know for about a year there, we shared these verses every week. We used to use these all the time. And I still do, and I hope you do too. But if these verses are new to you, I hope you'll start using them today. And they're, they're really simple. And they'll change your life if you actually use them. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. So we have to trust God and don't try to figure out stuff on our own. We just bring it to Him and let Him direct our path. And uh, if you truly do that, you'll be amazed at how many things in your life you would have to be disobedient to God to do them. Uh, you know, a lot of things, we just read that verse, you know, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. And uh, there was a lot of things in my life, well, this will be a good thing. And when I started doing the Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 and started bringing things to God and uh, to make sure they're all right with Him, they weren't. And uh, I would have had to been just straight up disobedient to do them. But you wouldn't know that until you bring them to Him. Uh, like I said earlier, most of the messages that God gives me are not for the lost. They're for us to keep us on our toes. You know, what would it good... What good would it do for a lost person or the kingdom of God if I convince somebody to follow me if I'm going in the wrong direction? That wouldn't do anybody any good. You know, we'd both be going in the wrong direction. 
we'd both be deceived and we'd both be heading for destruction together. So we have to make sure if we're going to have people follow us and lead them to Christ, we have to make sure we're on the right track ourselves. Uh, in Matthew chapter 15, this is where the, he's got a group of Pharisees. They're arguing with Jesus about his disciples. And, uh, you know, if you've ever read that chapter, they were walking through a field and they started pulling some grain off and they started eating the grain. And he's like, why don't your uh, disciples wash their hands before they eat? So they were trying to accuse them to Jesus. So, uh, and that's exactly what they said. They're breaking the tradition of the elders. And you can see that in Matthew 15, verses 1 and 2. Then they came to Jesus, the scribes and the Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. So they were talking about the traditions of the elders. And, uh, you know, we, we hear a lot about that today in the church. You know, we hear people coming up with their own rules instead of what God's Word actually says. And we can't do that. And that's exactly what Jesus tells them in Matthew 15 and verse 3. He tells them, But he answered and said unto them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? So Jesus is telling them, Your traditions transgress the commandments of God. We can't trust our own understanding. Those Pharisees had added over 600 rules and traditions to Jewish law, and they were condemning people for not obeying them. And that wasn't God's word at all. Those were laws they came up with on their own. They weren't God's laws. So deception has been in the church for a very long time. It's not something new. Uh, it was just as prevalent in Jesus' days as it is today. And uh, this is what we have to guard against ourselves. And uh, he goes on to say in Matthew 15, in verses 7 through 9, and he's talking to the Pharisees again. He says, you hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy you, saying, This people draws nigh unto me with their mouth, and honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And he's telling them, you know, you come to church and you try to make yourself look all religious and righteous, but you're just making up your own rules and wanting people to follow them. That has nothing to do with following God. And uh, he tells his disciples in Matthew 15, verse 14, just leave them alone. You know, let it be blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. You know, Jesus told his disciples, you do what God's word says, and don't worry about people that come up with their own rules and want you to live life for them. Just leave them alone. You know, like I said a minute ago, if we're convincing people to follow us in the wrong direction, then we're both just headed for destruction. And that's what that verse says. If the blind's leading the blind, they'll both fall into the ditch. So we have to make sure we're going in the right way ourselves. Uh, but to bring this back into perspective, the main way we get deceived, uh, and you see this all the time in the main reason we need to remind ourselves of this every week is uh, by forgetting about or being distracted from eternity. You know, if we get so focused on 
this rule here or what they're doing over there or what they're doing over here, then we get distracted from the whole what the whole gospel is all about, and that is God gave us eternal life through Jesus Christ. And we have that choice while we're here, eternal life or eternal death. Uh, I told you we was going to come back to 1 John, and uh, in 1 John chapter 5, we'll read verses 10 through 12. It says, He that believes on the Son of God has the witness in himself. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And he that believes not God has made him a liar because he believes not the record that God gave of his son. And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in his son. He that has the son has life, and he that has not the son has not life. So we either have Jesus or we don't, and we either have life or we don't. That should be our focus, not somebody's sin. Uh, you know, a lot of y'all know my thing before Christ was drinking. So you can tell somebody, you need to quit drinking. Okay, let's say they quit drinking. Without Christ, they're still lost. They just don't drink anymore. They still don't have eternal life. They still don't have salvation, even though they quit drinking. I could tell somebody, give up your homosexual lifestyle. And let's say they give it up. They're still lost. Without Christ, they still don't have life, and they still don't have salvation. Or how about uh, a stay-at-home mom that nobody considers a sinner with four kids who don't drink or do drugs or do any of that stuff? Without Jesus, she's still lost, and she still don't have <coughs> life, and she still don't have salvation. So it's not about people's sin. It's about being born spiritually dead. It's about being born with a sin nature. And it's about being born again through faith in Christ that awakens or quickens or brings to life the Spirit of God in us. That allows us to enter into salvation. Uh, we've shared these verses before in Ephesians 2, verses 1 and verse 5. It says, And you has he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And in verse 5, it says, Even when we were dead in sins, he has quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. So it don't do us a bit of good to point out anybody's sin. And it don't do us a bit of good to talk them into stopping that. They need Jesus. They need life. <coughs> and the only way they get life is by surrendering to Jesus Christ. So it's not about convincing people to stop sinning. It's about getting them to Jesus so they can be brought to life. You know, I had to go to the doctor this week, and a lot of y'all know that, but I had to sit in the waiting room, you know, before I could go back and see the doctor. You know, everybody knows about the waiting room. It's not a lot of fun. Uh, you get to sit there for a long time, and you do a lot of thinking, you know, while you're in the waiting room. You know, how you feel, what you think is wrong, how much better you felt when you were younger. and Your mind just goes all over the place. And I got to thinking while I was in there, that's what this life is, you know. This life is a waiting room. And then after we had been in the waiting room for a while, we go back and we see the doctor. And, you know, the doctor will examine you, and then they'll tell you what the problem is. And most of the time, they'll give you a prescription, or they'll tell you what you need to change, 
you know, to get you to feel them better. Like I said, <coughs> this life is a weight room. This is where we realize, you know, we need a physician. We need help. And the older you get, the more aware you become of you need something. And it's something that this world can't give you. You know, it's easy in our younger years. We'll chase money. We'll chase all this stuff. But as the older that you get, you start realizing you can't find it here. You know, somewhere along the way, you realize what you need is more life. And the only place to get that is from Jesus Christ. And church, I think, should be a lot like the doctor's office. You know, we come in and we admit we need a doctor. And when we submit ourselves to God and acknowledge, Lord, I need you, when you acknowledge that to God, he opens your eyes to see that you do need him. And Jesus Christ is your life. And without him, we don't have life. And uh, just like the doctor gives you a prescription when you surrender your life to Christ, God gives you the Holy Spirit I've been telling you about to lead you and guide you into all truths. Uh, John chapter 16 and verse 13, it says, How be it when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truths. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. And if you're seeking God daily, you will have the Holy Spirit guiding you, so you won't be deceived. And he won't allow things that don't belong in your life to remain there until you get used to them like that buzzard did. And you don't see them as a threat anymore. If you truly have the Holy Spirit in you, and you get that when you surrender to Christ, he shines a light on those things, and you'll see them for what they are, and you won't allow them to remain in your life until you can't see them anymore. He'll bring them to your attention, and you'll see them for what they are. And uh, like I keep saying, this life really is <coughs> a waiting room. And uh, we as a church, like I said a while ago, we need to start seeing lost people for what they really are. Not people in sin, but people without life. You know, before Christ, we don't have life. We just read that. We should be leading them to life, not pointing out their sin. Uh, in this life, in this waiting room, it's where everyone makes the eternal choice of life or death. So we've got to get our, our focus off <coughs> of people's sin and get our focus on their eternity and not just their everyday life. You know, let's get them to Jesus and let him change their everyday life. He's the only one that can do that. Uh, like I said, I can give you good advice and stuff like that, but I don't know what's in your heart and I don't know what's in your mind, but the Holy Spirit does. And uh, if I can get you to him, then he will show you how to change your life in a way that don't offend you. So if that's you today and uh, you realize that you need life, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and verse 2, I don't know if I put that one in there or not either, Travis. It says, For he says, I have heard you in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time, and behold, now is the day of salvation. <clears throat> that verse says God hears you. So if you know you need life, 
Uh, and you know whether you need life or not. Everybody knows that. Just ask God to give it to you, and he will. And you can't stop sinning on your own. But if you get the life of Christ in you, it'll drive the sin out of you. You know, like I said to start with, there's nothing wrong with any of us. We just got the wrong stuff in us. And if you get the life of Christ inside of you, that other stuff can't dwell there. It has to flee from God. They can't occupy the same space. So you don't need to focus on stop sinning. You need to focus on getting the life of Christ inside you. So if you've never given your heart to Jesus, I would like to give you that opportunity tonight. I try to do that every week. And if you've been in church a long time and you still don't feel like you have the life of God inside of you, uh, I've been there too. There is no shame in telling God that. Say, I want your life inside of me. And he won't condemn you for saying that. He don't condemn anybody for coming to him. Just tell God you want to surrender to him. And that's how easy it is to receive his salvation. Uh, just tell him you need him and invite him into your heart. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, it says, If you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. <coughs> For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So that's you today, and you've made that decision, you ask God to come into your heart. Tell somebody about it. It says when you confess that with your mouth, then you receive salvation, and you are saved. And uh, like I've been telling you through this whole message, there's nothing you've done God won't forgive you for. He came to rescue us because we're sinners. Uh, Romans 10, 13, it says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And uh, we've already read Romans 5, 8, but I'll read it to you again. It says, God commended or showed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So don't let people tell you you have to get it all together and then come to Christ. You can't get it together without Christ. Come to Christ as you are, and he'll accept you right where you are. And uh, then once you've surrendered your life to him, the Holy Spirit will help you get your life to where it needs to be. Uh, like I said a minute ago, it's the life of Christ in you that will drive those things out of you. You can't get rid of them on your own. And, uh, you know, for those of us that are in church, let's remember that every day, you know, what the gospel is. It is a gift of life from God. It's eternal life through Jesus Christ. It's not the judging of sin. It's not pointing out sin. It's offering people the love of God through Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. And, uh, God will deal with the sin. Jesus will deal with the sin. All we got to do is let people know God loves them and he wants them to come to him. Uh, but that is my message for this week. And uh, I thank you all for coming out if you're here in person. I thank you for watching online if you're watching online. Uh, and I pray that you let that sink in. It's not about our sin. It's about whether or not we have life. And uh, the only place we get that is from Jesus Christ. So let me pray for us, and we will be dismissed. Father, thank you again for this message that you gave me tonight. I just pray, Father, for every heart, never mind that hears it, 
I just pray that you help them to, to meditate on that, Lord, and look inward at themselves and uh, ask themselves, do I have life? And uh, if the answer is no, God, I, I pray that they would find the courage to cry out to you and ask you for that life. And you freely give it to us. Your word is clear on that. It's not something we earn. It's not something we get by works. It's a free gift. And uh, we receive it by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray for everybody that hears this message, that if they haven't done that, that you'd give them the courage to do that tonight. And Father, we'd give you the glory for that. And it's in Jesus' name I do pray. Amen.